couple months ago, I was up in Vancouver, B.C., at a seminar, and at that seminar I met a pastor from Cranbrook, B.C. He noticed the Gideon pin on my lapel and said, hey, I've got a story to tell you. Uh, in my counseling room with a young teenage girl, and in the course of my counseling and sharing with her, I uh, was going through the Bible, and he says, I asked her the question, he says, who wrote the Bible? She stopped, thought a little bit, and she said, Gideon did. <laughs> yes, the Gideons are known. We're known for the men who placed the Bibles, uh, especially in this country, the men who placed Bibles in motels and hotels. And then if you've got fifth graders or had fifth graders, you know that uh, they come home every once in a while with a little Red Testament. This one I have here is... Uh, several years old. The new ones are brighter than this. I've been carrying that one around with me for many, many years. But we are men of the book. Several, well, it wasn't several months ago. It was just a month ago about Maxine and I are over at Nampa. We had the privilege of hearing a quartet sing over there, a quartet that many, many of you hear daily on our radio station and know well. A friend of ours is a member of that quartet, Paul Sandberg. On the program, I was surprised to read this at the bottom of it. I hadn't known this before. He talks about the eight bells that sound to introduce that program. Every time you hear the ship's whistle and bells with which we open each haven of rest broadcast, we want you to be reminded of the gracious power of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. The distinguishing sounds brings to mind first mate Bob, Paul Myers, the founder of the, this broadcast. Paul was a gifted man, a front runner in the earlier years of radio. goes on to say that Paul was a very, very successful businessman in the Los Angeles area. He had a chauffeur, driven Cadillac. He made a lot of money, but life was really empty. He was buying that which really didn't satisfy Early in on February, one February morning, he found himself waking up on the dock in San Diego. And the thing that woke him up was the ship's whistle announcing the eight bells, four o'clock in the morning. He woke up and, re and thought, he says, I should go to church. This is Sunday. So he went to a cheap hotel room and cleaned up as, as well as he could and went to a church, heard the message, but nobody in that church greeted him, acted friendly toward him, or received him. He was very disappointed. So he went back to that hotel room. There he found a Gideon Place Bible. Back in those days, they were those great big thick black ones with the red around them. You probably remember some of them. He got that Bible out and began to read it. You see, his wife was a Christian, been praying for him. And Bob was rebelling against the Word of God. But that day in that hotel room... Bob knew the Savior because he found him in the Word of God. He found the living Word in the written Word. A miracle happened. Thirty days later, Bob started the Haven of Rest broadcast. In the book of Isaiah, the 55th chapter, the first verse reads this, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy, eat, 
Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. <clears throat> Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and ye eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. The thing that Bob Myers had found was that the thing he was striving after, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and for your labor for that which satisfieth not? A man who was thirsty for the Word of God, spending his energy, his talents, his time on that which didn't satisfy. Last night we concluded our uh, 38th, I believe it was, state convention for the states of Idaho and Utah, Gideons. And at that uh, program last night we saw pictures by our international extension manager from Nashville of placement of scriptures in Nigeria. And it reminded me of this first verse. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come by. In Nigeria, a Muslim country, controlled by the Muslims, he showed pictures there of school children in Muslim schools that actually mobbed those Gideons to get a, a copy of the scripture for themselves. In fact, one picture showed that they took, the teachers had to take sticks and beat the kids off of the Gideons just so that they could have an orderly distribution. Hungry, thirsty for the Word of God. In that whole country, they were never turned down when they placed the Scripture. They placed it in Muslim schools. They placed it to the uh, police academy. One um, <coughs> picture showed them with five people standing outside of a little store where they had stopped to get a cold drink. And these people all had their hands in the air showing the Scripture in their hand. And Ken said that uh, what had happened is we'd stopped there to get a drink. We'd ordered some, uh, I don't know, Coke or whatever they'd ordered, sat down to the table to drink it, and these, uh, the proprietor and his wife and these three helpers kept watching them. So Ken said, we invited them over to sit at our table, and we actually bought drinks in their own store for them. And they sat, and we t shared the gospel with them. A little testament to give out, whether it's in this country or around the world. And the picture he showed to us was the picture of these five people outside the store holding the, the scripture up like this, praising God and thanking him for sending those men. The, I think it's so important for us to realize the power of the Word of God. And that's what Isaiah is trying to share with us here. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and lear labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. A letter came in to the Gideons International several years ago, and this is what it read. Dear sir, thank you so much for your kind gift of Bibles in large print for our residents here at Lakeview. We will surely put them to good use. We have had 12 residents accept the Lord last week, and they have been reading their Bibles daily. Hearken diligently me unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight 
itself in fatness. Here were 12 people that found the secret of what Isaiah was talking about, delighting in the fatness of the Word of God. Why do we give a Gideon report? Well, I think it's based on the fact that what Paul did on his first missionary journey and every missionary journey that he made and the other apostles. But Paul writes, in the, or the, it's recorded in the book of Acts. Paul wasn't writing, of course. Luke was. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. The Gideons are an arm of this church. We're a missionary arm of this church. In fact, there are 71, over 71,000 of us around the world in, over, in 127 countries. 71,000 missionaries that this church can help support to get the Word of God into 52 languages. Now, Nick and Maxine White are sitting up here on the front pew. They've had to take several years to learn one foreign language. You see, the hundred, the some thirty thousand Indians that are over in don't have to school because they speak their native tongue. They don't have to worry about visas and passports. They don't have to worry about the changes of government because they're citizens of those countries. And we all, it's our responsibility to do is to see that we get the word of God in their language printed so that they can pass it out. You see, the median income in most of the third world today is about $200 per year. And they cannot afford to buy the Scriptures. That's why God has blessed this country, so that we, as His people, can share the Word of God with those who have a a real need. And that's what I think Isaiah is is telling the uh, Israelites here in this Uh, chapter. You know, Isaiah wrote chapter 55 to the Israelites that were in uh, captivity in Babylon. They had gotten to the place where they were complacent. They were satisfied. There was nothing. They were enjoying the fruits of their labor, the fruits of freedom. The fruits are not freedom, but the fruits of peace. They were prosperous. And so they became self-satisfied. They weren't willing to come back and repopulate uh, Palestine, repopulate Jerusalem. There were only a handful that were ready to do that. And Isaiah is trying to show them that they're buying that which did not satisfy. In verse 3, he says, Incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. David was the witness that uh, all of the Israelites, all Jews, looked to as the man who was their leader. I believe that God has given the church today to the world. He's given you and I that responsibility. We have a witness responsibility to the world. Are we fulfilling that responsibility? I think of first mate Bob. I wonder, are there those who come into this church who visit us, who have a desperate need, who maybe aren't the cleanest or the prettiest or the most acceptable? Do we turn them away without sharing the gospel with them? Do we really extend ourselves? We need to take 
stock. We need to take inventory of our own attitude towards these. As a witness, Gideons are called upon to share the gospel personally. Uh, In fact, our whole ministry is based upon this one premise, that we want to share the love of Jesus Christ with the world. Now, we share that through personal witness. We share that through the giving of Scripture. Mel Davenport to Gideon in Caldwell was in the hospital recently, and in that hospital room with him was a man named Mr. Bowling. Mr. Bowling was in very, very poor health when they brought him in. He was an ungodly man, didn't love the Lord Jesus, didn't care for him, used uh, strong language, vile language, smoked a lot, drank a lot. In fact, he was just, his body was just decaying because of his, the dissipated life that he was living. Mel began to pray for this man, and then he began to share with him. In the hospital room, of course, is one of the hospital testaments that we place. And Mel began to share that testament with him and got Mr. Bowling to read that. It's Bowling, not Bowling. Mr. Bowling didn't respond right away. But then some people came in to visit uh, Mel Davenport. And uh, while they were in the room, Mr. Bowling asked them, he said, He asked him to come over to his bed, and he said, Would you teach me to pray? And they had the opportunity there in that room to share the gospel with Mr. Bolin again, and he received the Savior. When his wife came back to the hospital room, he told her what had happened. She was so overcome with joy that she had to go into the bathroom there and weep for what had happened to her husband. But the interesting thing is that since that has happened, Mr. Bolin has had the opportunity to share the gospel and lead six of his children and grandchildren to the Lord. You see, Gideons have placed some 260 million scriptures in the world in our some 30-some years of scripture placement. Now, we know that at least one person will read or touch or handle each scripture that is placed. But we will never know until eternity how many extras people will hear the Word of God because of the Scripture that is placed. There's 260 million pieces of Scripture. How many lives are they going to change? How many times is God going to prepare a heart to receive the Word of God when when they're ready for it? And then going on to verse 6, Isaiah says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. How many times there with those who are seeking, with those who are searching? The Word of God says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. I believe that all of us in this room, this church, feel that the the Lord's return is eminent. It could come at any time. I don't think there's much time left for us to share the Word. And I think we need to be getting the Word of God out. I see Stan and Mrs. Noreen down here in the third row. Stan and his wife are booksellers from Denver, Colorado. And you know that's what I am, and so they're, they're, they're friends of ours. George C. is a bookseller in Pocatello, Idaho. 
George was raised as a, a child in, down here in Winnemucca, Nevada. He started his career scrubbing garbage cans and taking care of the boxes around a supermarket down there in Winnemucca and rose from that to store supervisor and then into the chain operation of a chain of stores. They moved to Boise, and while they were here in Boise, his wife was safe. But George got harder. George was living a regular uh, worldly life. He liked his cocktails. In fact, he tells us that uh, he used to go out to lunch with his doctor because if his doctor drank a cocktail for lunch, that was all right. That wouldn't, uh, you know, his doctor didn't condemn him. He didn't George was an alcoholic, so was his doctor. <clears throat> and so, of course, they enjoyed each other's company. Well, as his wife would invite the members of their church over to visit with them, and George got very agitated about that. He got very upset about that. And he finally told her, he says, you can invite them over here, but don't ever have them come into the house when I'm here. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk anymore about this Jesus stuff. Just keep it away from me. Well, her father owned quite a sizable construction company in Pocatello and developed ill health, and so he asked George to come down there and go into business with him, which they did. They moved to Pocatello, and George says, I was very successful. I drove my big cars. He says, I could wine and dine those who I wanted to sign contracts with us. I could take them out to the country club or wherever we needed to go. And uh, I could twist arms and I could manipulate people and get them to sign those contracts, become very successful in doing it. But the problem was this alcohol, this dissipated life began to get to him. And his wife and he began to start having problems. His children began to rebel against him. And one day George just got tired of the whole thing and said, I just gave up. So I packed my bags, threw them in the car, and took off. Says I'm never coming back. He headed west on out of Pocatello towards Boise, <clears throat> wondering what he was going to do. He got to thinking about it. He says, "You know, if I drove down towards Jordan Valley, McDermott, on Highway 95, he said I could um, floorboard this old Cadillac. I could go around one of those curves, and it'd be quick and easy and all over with." My wife could collect the $120,000 insurance policy. They'd never prove it was suicide. And so he began to think that way. When he got out here to the interchange at Vista, for some reason he turned right off that interchange, went into the Holiday Inn and got a room. <clears throat> he got into the room just for the purpose of planning what he was going to do so that it wouldn't look like suicide when he went off that road. Well, on the table, as has been the practice in Holiday Inn, was a Bible open to the 38th chapter of Psalms. George said he saw that, and I made him mad. He says, even here I can't get away from that stuff. And he paced the floor, and he paced it, and finally he, he stopped and he, he read these words. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrow stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. 
for my iniquities are gone over mine head. As a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. And then, of course, he read the last two verses also. Forsake me not, O Lord my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. George read those words. He got down on his knees before the Bible, and the Bible opened in front of him, and began to ask the God to come in and forgive him. He found the Savior that night in that hotel room, got on the phone, called his wife, and said, Mama, I'm coming home. And of course, she knew what had happened to him. Thank God for the Word of God when it was needed in a man's life. George is a tremendous witness in the Pocatello area. In fact, people call him not only from Pocatello, Idaho Falls, but Salt Lake City. George has a, a way of communicating the gospel in sincerity and simplicity, and he is being used in many, many cases to share the word and to show others the love of Jesus Christ for them. The multiplied word, because God's word was placed there by one of the Gideons of this city in the Holiday Inn here in Boise. George was a little emotional about it, as I am, because we were last night, or the night before, we were right there in the Holiday Inn when he was telling us about this. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he said, this is where the Lord found me. Not all of the Bibles that we place in hotels are read in those hotels, or stay in the hotels, I should say. Many, many of them leave the hotels in the hands of those who come in. In 1977, the National Enquirer put this article in there. One of every five Bibles we place in motels is stolen each year. Almost 20% of the Bibles placed in motel and hotel rooms by the Gideons are stolen each year. And 35% of those placed in hospitals are taken, the organization reports. When one is gone, we figure that the guy who took it really needed it. So its purpose is served, said Dave Hofer, Jr., president of the Gideons International. A local member replaces missing... A Gideon spokesman said each Bible cost the group about $1.85. That was in 77. They're now up to $3.10. And they place about, well, it was 776000 that year. This year, this past year, it was 1200000 copies of the Word. This is the letter that came in because of, as a result of this article in the National Enquirer. It was a letter from Mrs. Lorraine Abercunis. Wrote, she says, after reading the article in the National Enquirer, I made up my mind what I was going to do. I confess I stole one of your Bibles. <clears throat> you were so right, Mr. Hofer, when you said we figured the guy, or the gal in this case, who took it really needed it. And the time I stole it, I didn't think I needed it. I was so tired of gambling. I had lost all of my money and was disgusted with myself. I went to a motel and checked in the room, and there I found a Gideon Place Bible. She goes on to say that after reading the Word, she said, my whole life has changed. And although God knew I stole the Bible, He forgave my sins and cleaned me up.
and I'm washed in his blood. Praise God. <clears throat> now, all of the Bibles that we place don't stay there, but the Word of God is sure. That's what he promises. Verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God did for Mrs. Abercunis. He pardoned her because she was willing when she read the message of the Word of God to turn from her sin, to respond to the Word of God. In verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, I know we've all used that verse and thought about that verse in many ways in the past, about how, in fact, reading the book of Samuel, when Samuel went out to anoint David as king, he told Samuel, he he said, my ways are not your ways, Samuel. He said, don't look on the outward appearance of all of these good-looking young men, the sons of this man, but he says, I've got a different man for you. Thank you, Phil. I am suffering from an allergy, and I took a pill, and it's dried my throat. Besides being a little nervous, I suppose, up here. (laughs) In front of the Sunday school class, I don't have that problem, you know. They they know me. But this also reminds me of uh, Debbie and Mark Kruger. Mark Kruger, a young, raised as as a Catholic, knew the Word of God, and went to church all of his life. But as uh, when he got into high school, began to realize that what he knew about the Word of God, what he knew about life, what life was presenting to him, was meaningless. There wasn't much meaning to it. And he, in talking to his girlfriend, Debbie, who became his wife, he, he said, you know, I'd like a Bible. Well, a couple of weeks later, it just so happened, And this is where I thought about it. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. The Lord had it planned. For two weeks later, Debbie, going on a university campus, was given one of these little green testaments that the Gideons place on the campuses every year. And she, she, she saw the men placing it, so she went up to get one just so she could take it back and give it to Mark. Mark began to read that. And he came to Matthew, where it says, All ye that labor and are heavy laden, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Mark said, That's what I need. That's my problem. I want to, sh- I want to give that to somebody else. And because of God planning and faithful men giving, faithful people giving their gifts so that the Gideons could place it, Mark found the Savior through the Word of God that was placed. No, God says, My ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, 
and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. This verse 11 here is the basis for Gideon ministry. Because we believe in the Word of God to the extent that we believe when the Word of God is placed, God will direct, pick it up, and use it when they have a need. We believe the promise of this verse that God will not return His word void, and it will accomplish that which it does. Now, all of us plant gardens, and some of us are farmers, and we know what it is to till soil and to put seed in that soil and to expect it to grow. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing that digging and shoveling and back-breaking work. We would rather be out on the lake or in the fishing stream or somewhere else. But I know your, your houses, around your houses and your homes, they're well-trimmed and well-tended. And that's hard work. But we, we expect that when we kind of work, there's going to be growth from the seed that we plant. If that's the kind of faith we have in that little thing, God says, why don't we have that kind of faith in the Word of God? Because my promise is, just as the rain comes down and waters the seed that's planted in the ground, just as you believe that will happen, he says, my word, when it's placed, is not going to return void. Can we really believe that promise of God? If we can believe the first, God says, then believe the second one. You know, in Ireland today, the great trouble that's going on over there with the... the, uh, Conflict between the Protestants and Catholics and then the agitation by the uh, terrorist organization that's come in there, the IRA, communist-inspired trained people. A young man by the name of John McHale, living in Dublin, said that he, as a high schooler, really didn't find much meaning to life. In fact, he... He'd tried a lot of different things. He'd looked into all kinds of uh, philosophies, into some religions, but couldn't find really any meaning to life. Until one day, he said in a boring geography class, he, uh, the class was interrupted by some men coming in, passing out scriptures. And this is what we do every once in a while. We interrupt classes, and we go out and pass these scriptures out. He said, I... When I got a hold of that, he said, I took it home and ignored it for a while. But then life did become unbearable to me. And so he says, I looked up that scripture and began to read it. Because of that, John McHale came to know the Savior. Again, when the word is placed, God will take it and change lives. Last night also, we, or I guess it was Friday night, we saw pictures from the land of Korea. And uh, Bill Geisler, one of our Gideons from Salt Lake, went over there on an action uh, opportunity. They and the countries around the world that don't have many Gideons invite Gideons from other countries like America, like the United States, Norway, Australia, Canada, England, to come over and uh, go on what they call an action plan, where they will send a a large number of scriptures into that country to be placed in a short time. 
when these, this group of men going over to Korea at their own expense got over there, they had 300,000 copies of Scripture to place. And he showed pictures of going into those schools in Korea where there would be four to 8,000 students in each school and being able to place the Word of God in every hand there. No refusals. No one turning away. Placing it in the hands of the military men. They even got to go up to the DMZ zone and, and give it to the men serving up there. They had the experience of actually going down into one of those tunnels where the communists from the north had tried to come into South Korea underground, and the uh, South Koreans had caught them at doing it. But everywhere they went, they were so tired from just handing out the scriptures day after day, as many as 8,000 in one day for four men, and that's handling a lot of books, I know. <clears throat> but they, one of the things that struck me was this testimony that came back from Korea. You see, we have faithful men in Korea who are constantly giving out the word. A few years ago, one of the, a Buddhist priest, or the Buddhist priest actually came to this little village, and they were going from house to house asking for donations and handouts, which was their custom to raise support for themselves. They came to this one house, and Sang Lee, the Gideon in that house, rather than give them rice and money, he gave them a scripture. And the, the Buddhist priest, of course, took that, read it. He says the priest began reading the Bible, and it, a, it touched him what he had read. Now this Buddhist priest, having come to know the Savior, is being used of God to reach other Buddhist priests in the land of Korea. The Korea today, per capita, probably has more born-again Christians than any other country in the world. The basis, the backbone of that has come from one thing. And, uh, and of course, the churches, I would have to say, the churches have been a real part in the ongoing ministry of this. But after the Korean conflict ended, the Gideons went into Korea and saw that every soldier in Korea was, play, had, was given a, a gospel or a scripture and that all the children... In fact, Korea has been uh, saturated with the gospel over there and the word of God. In fact, in one, uh, at one time over there, there were 30... I think it was either 3,600 or 3,800 soldiers baptized in one baptismal service. Now, that's a lot of people in one baptismal service. And that was a result of placing the Word of God in the hands of those people. So it goes on. How can you help? You can help just the way you help the rest of our missionary family, by praying for them. I would covet your prayers for this ministry. I really believe that as an action arm of this church, the Gideons have an effective ministry because we're concerned with getting the Word of God to the world. Some of you men ought to be Gideons along with me. You ought to be coming alongside and helping us place the Word of God. There are many of you men who I know, and every once in a while I know I've talk to you about that. I wish you'd begin to pray that God would lead you into <clears throat> considering this as a way that you can minister the Word of God to those who have a need. 
And then, of course, you can give. As this church is known to be, it's a, it's a missionary church. We give generously to the missionary work of uh, this church. And the Gideons are a part of that. Also, you can give through the what we call our Living Memorial and in Honor Plan. Out on the table there, I just replaced it this morning, there's a little display out there that have these cards. And when there's a death in your family or a friend, you can use one of those cards to, uh, as a sympathy card to memorialize those by giving, by having the Gideons place so many scriptures in their name. In the, fun, in the front of uh, about 12% of the Bibles or scriptures we place is this little quotation. This Bible is placed in memory or honor of a friend or loved one through the Gideon Living Memorial Bible Plan. When somebody picks that up, they'll begin to realize that somebody was honored or remembered in death. And, somebody, and you have a living memorial continuing. Also, the honor card. I love to use this on wedding anniversaries, or golden wedding anniversaries especially, to honor those who I want to honor. It's a great way to recognize and give a living honor in, in recognition of someone. <clears throat> there was a placement of hotel of Bibles in Vermont in September of last year. Howard Stone, treasurer of the camp there in Jim Knapp, uh, as they traveled along, they saw a little place that had two rooms in it for rent. As they viewed this, they stopped and asked the proprietor there, could we place Bibles or replace the Bibles in the rooms there? And he says, oh, yes, please do. He says, about a month ago, a young lady pulled in here, wanted a room for the night. She didn't have any baggage. She looked downcast. Later that night, when I was walking my dog, preparing to retire, I walked by this room where she was and heard weeping. He says, I knocked on the door to ask this young lady if there was anything I could do for her. He said she asked him to come in. He went in. She, she was sitting on the bed. Beside her was a loaded revolver with a safety off. She was sitting there with the open Bible on her lap crying. What if the Bible hadn't have been in that hotel room? Shall we bow in prayer? Father, thank you for your word, the precious word of God, which is so powerful, which can change lives, which changed our lives. Lord, the living word and then the printed word. Help us to realize as a congregation, as your people, that it's our responsibility to share this word with the world. Thank you for your faithfulness in preparing hearts to receive the word. We just appreciate all that you do for us. Appreciate your love. And now, Father, direct our hearts and our minds and our thoughts towards you this day and the days to come. In our Savior's name, amen.